Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of Sisu. And, you know, our new tagline is where real estate transacts online. And uh, just because we're doing more and more and more around the real estate transaction every day, we're also focused on streamlining and automating the industry. And I love love doing these podcasts because I get to have, you know, these special guests come in that just all the leaders from the real estate industry and not just the real estate industry, but coaching. And, you know, we've had people in here from other, other industries as well, just top executives. And it's, it's fun for me to learn, you know, what works and what doesn't and how people think differently about, uh, about, especially about the real estate industry. So anyway, thanks for joining us, everyone today. Uh, I'm here with Brandon Hodges. And Brandon is the COO of Sierra Interactive. He's been there about a year and a half now. And uh, he oversees their strategy, their operations, and their metrics. And uh, I, think, I think your background, you actually are an attorney, but I think it's been a while since you practiced that, since you built a real estate team for the last 20 years, Brandon. So Brandon has a real estate team that he left about a year and a half ago. His partner is still operating that team. And uh, anyway, we'll dive into that a little bit today too, but Brandon, tell us a little bit more about you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the uh, introduction. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've been in real estate, around the real estate industry for a little over 20 years. Really got started, I think, the same way that a lot of real estate agents do, kind of by accident <laughs> in one way or another. And I was, I was really looking for something. I had about a six-month gap in between a job I was working after um, undergrad and, and starting law school. And I had a really close friend that I went to undergrad with, uh, Matt Barker, who had gotten into real estate. That was kind of his dream and what he'd always wanted to do. And we'd been in a lot of different sales businesses in the past. We had sold electronics and car stereos and um, been bartenders and, um, you know, had been in a lot of those kind of uh, kind of sales jobs over time and knew that I was interested in it. But, you know, it wasn't necessarily the, the thing that I was super passionate about at the time. But got into real estate as a way that I thought, you know, maybe I could kind of pay my way through law school and make a little money during, while I'm doing it. And, you know, three and a half years later or so, graduated from law school and worked at a law firm for a while and, and realized that, man, it was a lot more fun selling real estate and, and building the business and really looking at the opportunity that was out there at that time, you know, kind of on the cutting edge of when technology was really rapidly expanding and changing. Um, the world was starting to look different in, in terms of what could be for uh, real estate uh, and the business. And, and that's kind of where I came at it. So uh, past the bar, I'm a, licensed real, I'm a licensed real estate agent and attorney, um, which I think, you know, if I was selling used cars, I think I'd have three or, or four of the top, uh, top most hated jobs <laughs> in terms of what, uh, how people think about different professions. But that's something that's changing too. And that was another opportunity that I think I saw at that time that real estate was becoming much more professional and um, really people were looking at it as a business entity, which, you know, really is kind of the heart and, and soul of, of how 
uh, I know CISU was founded and, you know, your passion for that part of it. So, um, you know, that, that was my roots. And, you know, 21 years later, uh, working for a tech company that provides real estate tools to real estate agents. So it's been, yeah, a, so been what, definitely an interesting journey. What year was that that you, I mean, you got into real estate. What year was that? 2000. So 2000. They, and yep. then you, then you went off and, you know, ventured into practicing law. Mm-hmm. And then when did you come back into real estate? It was 2004 when I really committed back to saying, this is what I'm going to do. You know, th- this okay. is really where I see the future being for me. Okay. So at that time, you say people were building businesses. Were teams a big thing back then? Or was it more of, hey, I'm just, you know, starting to think about building a team. I, th- I want to say Gary Keller wrote the MREA book, Millionaire Real Estate Agent book. I think mm-hmm. it was 03, if I'm not yep. mistaken. Yeah, it was all just starting at that time. Okay. Were you at KW? I was not. No, I actually started at Coldwell Banker and then moved okay. into the Re- Remax system after that. Okay. So you called well to, to Remax. So I'd love to hear like how that went as far as you selling real estate. Let's start with you know, four when you came back to real estate mm-hmm. and then building and then what the evolution was to building a, a team, you know, that's, that's still here 20 years later or 16 yeah. years later. And, it, and it's interesting for me because I have a wife that, you know, she was in real estate for a long time. And then, you know, like seven years ago, right after we got married, she, she was actually building a team at the time that we got married, but, you know, she had maybe five agents. And so hadn't really gone from, you know, I'm not in real, I'm not in production anymore like that's where she is today with 40 agents, but you know, there's an evolution there. I'd love to hear kind of how, how that went for you. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And that, that really was the beginning of teams and real estate right around that time, that 0304, really a transition period. And for Matt and I uh, being business partners, we did that to help leverage our time, which, you know, really at the core is, is how the team concept really started in real estate. And we did it because, uh, you know, just from a family standpoint, my wife worked weekend. She worked for a builder. I uh, was in a sales model uh, for 17 years. And so her, her days working were always, you know, Wednesday through Sunday or Thursday through Monday or whatever it was. And Matt's wife worked more Monday through Friday. So we did it to kind of split up the schedule, make sure we had coverage, uh, different nights, you know, weekend days, that kind of thing. And that was just sort of our by, by choice and by necessity, we formed a real estate team as the two of us. And what we started doing, you know, we were young, just a couple of years, you know, at that point out of college and our core business was with first time home buyers. And one of the things that we did at that time was send out postcards to uh, apartment complexes, offering first time home buying seminars. Um, we're really trying to network in the community and, and get established that way. Uh, just finding people to talk to about real estate and what the, you know, showing them a rent versus own calculator and, you know, all of those kind of things. And as we were doing that, we found there was an opportunity to do some of the same things using online tools. You know, the changes in the, in the internet and the way things were, were shifting at that moment um, with IDX now becoming available so we could, you know, show listings to the general public, which there's a lot of panic in the real estate industry at that moment that, you know, once we do this, then no one's going to need real estate agents anymore. There's, there's not going to be any need for it. And I think, you know, we've had... Uh, kind of the golden age of real estate ever since then. So, um, you know, that access to information and, and use of data is, uh, it's a pretty interesting thing once you make it available. 
so we started we started building websites and you know promoting ourselves online did a lot of things wrong made a ton of mistakes wasted a lot of money built our own idx platform on kind of an archaic framework and you know really really started dabbling into to how we could do this in a virtual way in that digital marketing age so you know we found that instead of sending postcards we could do we could connect with a lot more people online a lot quicker and um, that was really where things started and as that progressed and we began to generate more leads and more people to talk to we found that we didn't have enough time the two of us so we hired our first team member right around that 2004 time frame and uh she's still with the team now. Uh, and then a couple more, you know, within a year or so after that, and it was more out of necessity just to be able to help manage the lead flow that we had at the time. And it was very hands-on. We didn't have all the tools and resources we have now for navigating uh, lead nurturing and lead cultivation. Um, you know, certainly weren't that progressive at that time. You didn't come together and say, Hey, let's build a team you know, this is what Gary Keller is telling us to do. You probably hadn't read that book being over at Coldwell. No, you were like, uh, Hey, we're going to build this technology, this IDX website. And I'm curious, were there IDX websites around back then or which ones? And like, probably not in abundance like they are today, right? No, there wasn't a lot of them. There were a few providers around WordPress, press, there were some plugins, but it was the technology at that point it wasn't super reliable. There was a lot of um, maintenance to it. Uh, we built our own IDX solution, you know, and organized the database and uh, had some programmers that we had working on that. And it was one of those things where it would work for a little while and then it would break and then it would work for a little while and then it would break. And, um, you know, it just wasn't as dependable or reliable as it is now. And the MLS boards weren't as sophisticated either, you know, as far as help resources and um, you know, how they were handling the IDX feeds, you know, and moving to the ruts feeds eventually, uh, just wasn't there at that point. So, so you guys took a completely different approach than, than I've heard before, which, which I love, um, because there's so many ways to do business, right? There's yeah. not one right way to do business. And so here you are trying to support this IDX website you built. And so you say, Hey, we need to start hiring people. So how did it go from there? Like here you are, and how many agents are on that team today? Uh, I think there's around 10 on the team. So it's not a huge, not a huge team. Um, okay. At one point, got up to around 25-ish uh, and then kind of pared down. Part of that is just the involvement with Sierra and uh, time and everything. But yeah. um, found that that was kind of the right, the right size for our group. And like you said, there's a lot of different ways to do it. You know, mm -hmm. your wife is running a, a much larger organization that way uh, from a team member and probably volume side. And, and that's great too. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So here you guys are going down the path and you discovered Sierra. I'm guessing you became a Sierra customer. Otherwise you probably wouldn't have gone and joined and yeah. started working as the COO over at Sierra. So tell me about how did you find Sierra? So that journey, um, you know, we kind of meandered our way between 04 and, and 2014 uh, and met Ben Pesco, the owner, uh, founder, and CEO of, of Sierra Interactive. In 2014, we were looking for a provider for our real estate websites. I think we had, gosh, I don't even know how many at that time. We had a lot. And we had kind of a core group that we had some niche sites and our, our flagship site that we wanted to move uh, and, and find someone that, had, that shared sort of a similar philosophy uh, as we did. And that being, we weren't looking for a super 
custom, you know, really customized version that needed to have, you know, certain tools that were only developed for us. We really wanted to be with a company that had a vision for the future and was continually innovating uh, and was going to be seen more as a partner with us. And that's really what we were looking at it. It wasn't a vendor. It was someone who was going to partner with us on that journey. Uh, and it was a small company and they were, you know, had been in existence for, I think Sear was founded in 2007. So they'd been established, you know, we're in quite a few markets around the U.S. and Canada, um, but we're really looking to grow too. And in moving our technology and moving our websites and, and platform over to Sierra, we really began to have a close working relationship with Ben at that time and kind of became advisors, you know, somewhat in the company. And, and you know, we were bouncing things off each other, having a lot of dialogue, talking about, you know, what feature is going to be next and what's going to help us grow our business because if it helps us grow our business and makes, you know, makes it better for our ability to leverage time, then chances are pretty good. It's going to help somebody else too. And, and that's really where it, it began. And that relationship built uh, over the course of um, several years uh, to the point where I've kind of moved away from being you know, involved in the real estate team and working at, at Sierra now full time. So that was 2014. And wow, I had no idea that they were founded or that you were founded in 2007. Yeah. So you've been around a lot longer than I thought. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, all right. So, so you guys, you become this like customer that you, that Ben's bouncing ideas off of. And I totally get that. I bounce ideas off my wife every night and, you know, we have a number of other customers that, uh, anytime, yeah. like we're rolling out a few new things right now. And anytime we're doing that, I, you know, I, I bring together a group of five to 10 customers and say, try this out. You guys are going to help us, you know, make this good. Right. Yeah. So, so anyway, you guys are, you guys are balancing these ideas off each other and finally uh, you end up at Sierra. So how does, how does this happen? Like, that's like me going to one of my teams today and saying, Hey, you don't really want to sell real estate. You don't want to be in the real estate business anymore. Right. You want to be a part of CSU. Yeah. Come on over. Yeah. It's a, um, so that part of the journey, you know, Sierra, Sierra has been through multiple different evolution, you know, obviously starting in 07 and, you know, we're in 2022 now, there's a lot of changes in the industry and, and technology and a lot of growth that's happened. In 2017, Sierra made a pretty intentional pivot to being more of the product offering that we have today. So, you know, a little bit more of a, the kind of one platform solution, less customized, customizable, but less customized upfront. And that was really the model up to that point was a little bit more customized, but kind of built on the same platform. So it was expandable and upgradable. And we made a pretty large change in how that technology, you know, get real deep into the weeds, but, you know, really the code base and, and how we had uh, evolved it to that point uh, to be in a position where we knew that shifting into the future, we needed to be faster. We needed to be able to innovate faster and we needed to be able to push those updates to a large customer base quickly and to be able to support it. And that growth really began in, in 2017, which you know I think is when Sierra probably started coming onto the radar in, in a lot more circles at that point, 2017, 2018, yeah. um, because we started expanding a lot quicker. And that was the point when you know, any company, uh, you, know, you start expanding rapidly like that, you start looking for additional hands to help. You, know, you start taking on a little bit of water and, and need some additional hands. And that's where more of my time started 
being moved into uh, working with Sierra and, and helping out where I could, uh, you know, obviously running the real estate business and being involved in that day to day, there's only so much time uh, left over. Uh, but that, that just kind of progressed to the point where we knew that we needed to really level up in, in terms of our leadership and, and how we were staging the company for the future, um, you know, to reinvent that, that framework and to be able to be ready to scale the way that we have been. So you guys have moved to this, did you move to agile development? Is that like, and are you guys doing product releases every two weeks now? Or what, what does that schedule look like today? Yeah, we are. So we're on a six week release schedule now on agile, you know, and we're, we're pushing other kind of smaller features or, or changes or upgrades uh, in between, but there's a six week re- release cycle. And that's been a, that's really been an eye opening change. And that's all taken place in the last year or so we brought in, David Short, who's our, our uh, head of product, and he came with a wealth of knowledge. We have some wonderful programmers, and obviously Ben is uh, a genius in, in terms of his vision and uh, you know our product-led growth. But it, being able to organize that in a way that we now you know work fully agile and, and are able to be more predictable in our time frame and our ability to scope projects and um, and hit those marks is really unlocking a lot more opportunity. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Great. So you said you brought additional hands in. How big is the company now? How many employees do you guys have? We're a little over 50 um, in the U.S. And then we have some some stationed overseas too. So, Okay. Um, yeah. And is that develop, uh, developers you have overseas or? Primarily, yep. Okay. All right. So um, now it gets fun. So here you are at Sierra and probably never thought you would be running a tech company. It's interesting how many people, like my background is technology and yeah. I discovered the opportunity for Sisu because of my wife's business, right? Jumping in and helping her for a little bit. You, on the other hand, were in real estate for 20 years, still are, right? And just kind of migrated into this Sierra interactive platform that you fell in love with and now you're part of it. So there are a lot of CRMs in the real estate space. It's, I mean, it's a pretty competitive market, right? Uh, so tell us more about what sets you guys apart. I know you, I know you talked a little bit about this, but I'd, I'd love to hear what really, like, why should someone be at Sierra versus any, anybody else in the industry? Yeah. It goes back to some of those original conversations that we had with Ben and, and kind of the overall philosophy of Sierra is we have sort of an innate understanding that our customers are not carbon copies. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, there's a lot of different ways to build a team to sell real estate. You know, there's brokerages that look like teams. There's teams that look like brokerages. There's combinations of those. There's teams within teams. And they all have different challenges and there's different places that they find themselves in scaling their business and growing it. And some get to the point where they say, this is, this is as big as I want it to be. And I'm going to, I'm going to kind of pivot and, and go a slightly different direction with it. Others are in that kind of constant, I want to build it bigger and I want to expand and I want to go into other markets and, um, you know, kind of rinse and repeat what I've learned here and, and take it somewhere else. So there's a lot of different ways to do that. And we understand on Sierra's side, that we need to be there to support all of those different portions of that customer journey. You know, our motto is very simple. It's to help real estate agents close more deals. And there's a lot that goes into that. So having a philosophy at a, just a core that we want to be able to integrate and have offer, you know, 
deep partnerships with companies like Sisu, uh, who are, are really there to help real estate agents take that ROI approach and to be able to look at it from a small business standpoint. And that's not every customer that we have. They're not all ready to be at that point. But the goal is that we offer them enough technology internally and that we have integrations with partners and strong resources that they're able to then take, bring within Sierra ecosystem and build their business uh, to scale at whatever scale that is. They're not all the same and it's not going to be done the same way for all of them. So rather than provide them an all-in-one platform that says, you know, just come in, buy it, and you've got everything that you need right here. We want to provide them with opportunities uh, to customize it and build it the way that they need to. Um, and that it's just a different approach, I think, than some of our competitors have taken. And it's, it's been a nice place within the industry for us. Yeah. So you only really, I mean, if I were to ask you who your ideal customer is, what would, what would that answer be? Ideal customer is, you know, there, there's a lot of different ways of looking at it, but I think from, from our standpoint, you know, our ideal customer is generally someone who's been in the business for a little while. You know, they've, they've gotten some sort of market fit and they kind of have an idea of where, they, where they're positioned. And they have that mindset, that entrepreneurial mindset that they want to grow, um, whether that's building a team, whether it's uh, expanding into other niches, um, you know, or going, going big. And they want to they build it. They want to be their own independent brokerage. They want to, you know, form an EXP team and, and have, a, a, you know, eventually a mega team with multiple office locations. Um, they just kind of have that mindset. And, you know, as, as you know, from talking to a lot of real estate agents and, and living with one, that that entrepreneurial, you know, just blood and the energy that's in their blood is that's what really makes you, I think, a, an ideal customer for Sierra because they have that, that want and that need to expand. Yeah. So I know this, um, you know, obviously you, you, when you're, when you're growing a business and you're in growth mode, there are always challenges that, that come up, right? If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. I, I just want to share this because I think, I think most people, whether they're running a real estate team or whatever, I mean, everyone knows there's challenges, but a lot of times when a company gets to the size of Sierra or, I mean, people even think this was CISU and we just launched three years ago, but, you know, people think it's all easy, right? They only see the rainbows. They only see the positive stuff. So what, what are some of the challenges or pain points you guys are experiencing right now? It's interesting. We talk about that a lot. I mean, that, that is, as I'm sure you're experiencing too, in, in a rapidly scaling and, and expanding tech company or any company really for that matter, it's continuing to coach and develop your people because that's, that's really who we are is Sierra is our people, our team members and our customers. And, you know, the, the team members that have gotten us to the place that we're at right now are the ones we're relying on to get us to the next next point and we're filling in you know behind them and we, we like to organically grow our team so we're, we're building up that that knowledge we're building up that experience those relationships with customers and with each other uh, in a way that we can continue to to expand and I I listened to a podcast it was Tim Ferriss was talking to um, Harley Finkelstein with Shopify and he was talking about kind of a concept where they have to, he feels like he needs to reevaluate himself every year for the job. 
And I think he's had a couple of different roles, but I think he was currently in as president of the company at that point. And it's that it's that continuous expansion and looking at, you know, what I did yesterday is not what we need today. And it's certainly not going to be what we need tomorrow. Um, and, and that's really where we try to focus our, our time and energy is, is coaching our people to be the best that they can and to give them the opportunities to grow into other roles. Sometimes that's cross departments. Sometimes it's taking a leadership role. Sometimes it's not leading people, but it's leading projects or it's leading, you know, different initiatives that, they now have the experience and the background and they're able to handle it. And we give them that opportunity to, for that growth. Yeah. That, that's interesting. You know, in talking about that podcast and how he, he does that every year. I mean, I think for me, one of the, one of the key things I focus on is making sure that I'm growing faster than my company's growing. Right. Because right. as a leader, you have to continue to grow in order to be able to continue to lead an organization that's growing. Right. And so that's a, that's a great, uh, I like that. Hey, once a year, I'm going to take a look and see, you know, am I the right guy for that job or, or, you know, am I making, am I making it? So I am the right guy because the role of a CEO or any leader changes every year. Right. That's right. Or, or even more frequently than that. So it's humbling to take that look too. You know, yeah, it forces yeah. you to look in the mirror and say, "Am I? Am I really still the right, the right one?" And you know, if I if I don't feel like I am, what do I need to do to to get better? And and that's really, you know, as leaders of of any industry or any business, you know, in the real estate industry and Sierra, whatever it is, uh, to be able to ask yeah. those questions and and really face that answer. Yeah, I just read the hard thing about hard things last week, and it talks a lot about you know the different the evolution of being like this little family to being a village, to being a city and, you know, to, to being a nation. Right. And it just, what, what are the roles? And, you know, it, it was interesting. It talked about how somebody, somebody's title might decrease, but they'll go from managing a team of three people to, to managing a team of a hundred people. And now they're reporting up to somebody that's helping them do that. But, you know, it's just, yeah. uh, it's an interesting evolution. So, um, yeah, tell me about t- tell me about your vision of the future of real estate. So, you know, you talked about even back in 04 and I hadn't really thought about it going back that far, but I mean, people have been trying to prove that there is no need for a realtor for a long long time, right? There are a lot of pro realtor tech companies such as Sisu and Sierra Interactive, right? Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of uh anti-realtor tech companies that have been trying to put them out of business. I think there are fewer and fewer anti-realtor companies than there used to be. And a lot of the ones that there used to be are now pro-realtor, right? Yeah. So I think my my take is the realtor is not going away, right? That's uh, kind of been proven. My take is that the, the compensation for the realtor may change and it's been attacked, but the, you know, the best of the best haven't really been impacted on that. The, the people who have struggled with that uh, have gone to being salary-based agents at this point. So, so anyway, I'd love to, that, that's kind of where we are today, right? Where, where do you see this all going? That is an interesting question. And wow, it's, it's been a ride even over the last four or five years here. You know, certainly, um, well, Sisu's kind of come on the scene. Um, 
you know, the, the industry, you're right. There, there's been this constant effort to let's find out a way to lessen the need for real estate agents, right? That's sort of been the, the approach. And it's such a, it's a service industry. And it really is one that at its core, um, that service piece of it is really hard to replace uh, without the people. And the people are, are the real estate agents. So, you know, I think as we move forward, you're absolutely right. There's, there's going to be changes in both compensation and, and how transactions are, are managed. I think, you know, it used to be that when we were talking about just a few minutes ago, it used to be that it was a real estate agent in a town, you know, however large that town was, whether it's a village or a city or a metropolis. Um, but they, they kind of had their core group of people that they knew, and it was word of mouth and referral. And that was really, you know, other than doing some newspaper advertising, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to expand and, and market to a wider audience, where now we have so much more opportunity from a digital marketing standpoint, social media, agents are able to get the information out there uh, in ways that they were not able to market themselves in the past. And that's really led to this expanse and growth of the team. And these are really little small businesses now, in some cases, pretty large businesses. Uh, and that, that I think has really changed the, the model also, because with a more organized and more established business practice behind the real estate service, I think a lot of these teams are able to offer better service to the customer. The end customer gets a better experience because of the technology and the people and the training and the resources that are available to these teams and these brokers and these, these organizations that have grown. And I think we're going to see that continue. So, you know, consolidation, where there'll be less and less individual real estate agents uh, working on their own, more that are working in a team structure uh, and this kind of team within a team as a way to uh, continue to evolve and expand and retain agents, I think is another, another thing we're going to see continue to evolve. So I heard you say a lot about teams. I, I agree with you. I think teams have a clear advantage over ind independent individual agents, I should say. I didn't hear you talk a lot about the traditional brokerage. So you were, you were at Coldwell and Remax. I would call mm -hmm. those the traditional brokerage. Very much. Um, tell me what, I mean, what, what, what is the future for the traditional brokerage? That's, that's an interesting question. The, 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 um, the brick and mortar real estate brokerage where the agents go there to transact their business, go there to work on files and, and have that office locale, I think is going to shift. You know, we've seen a lot of virtual brokerages become established in the last few years. We've seen you know, all of our companies here included being virtual now. And, you know, it's not, it isn't necessary that we have a, an actual physical office space for us all to come together and work. And I think that's happening in the real estate industry too. And the brokers that recognize that, the ones that embrace it uh, rather than fight it, I think are going to have more success. That's my sense. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting five years for sure. Mm, yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot of change. When I say interesting, I think there's going to be a lot of change. All right. Is there anything that you want to give any piece of advice? Let's talk, let's talk about real estate teams, but well, I mean, I don't know. Our listeners are broader than that. So any piece of advice that you would want to leave with our listeners before I ask you a few personal questions? Sure. I think embrace the, embrace the data. We early on, began sharing a lot of data with 
our sellers and our buyers. And I think those that really embrace that concept and are seen as the, the source of information for not only their customers, but their community and whoever they're marketing to. So it's little things like having a, um, you put a listing on the market, which I realize right now they sell in five minutes, you know, in a lot of cases they get multiple offers and you may not need a ton of data, but it's still important that you collect data. So putting a listing on the market, having a single property website for that, that you're gathering analytic data on uh, that you can share with your, your seller, having that data. So being reliant on that, having it available so you can make predictive and have predictive discussions with your seller is important. And that's important whether it sells in five minutes or, or it takes 60 days or longer. Um, because even if you get four offers right away, what does the data tell you? Should you have gotten 10? Did you expect to get 10? Uh, or is four feel right? What does your traffic look like? Where is it coming from? Those kind of things. So I think em embracing the data rather than being scared about it. I think a lot of agents sometimes feel like the more of that I share with my customers, or, you know, outwardly in, in uh, marketing materials, it's going to make them not need me as a resource. Uh, I think it's the opposite. I really think those who hold the data and can explain it in a way that people understand uh, are the ones that are seen as the experts. So, and they yep. really are. Uh, obviously, I agree with you. CSU was built 100% of giving people 100% of the data so they can make real-time business decisions. But you are expanding that. I mean, CSU is built around let's share this data, know the data so you can manage your business, so you can manage your team, so you can make important decisions. Mm -hmm. You were talking about sharing the data with the client though. So it's a yeah. little bit different. Um, it is. And that's probably a little bit more. You guys are a little bit earlier up the funnel and sharing, you're sharing more of that information. Hey, saying you've got this information for the clients. Why aren't you sharing it with them, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. that it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of statistics that we as real estate agents in the industry have access to, you know, for it's not only what things have sold for, but what are the trends, you know, or is, is the, uh, the volume of uh, listing inventory going up or down? Is it remaining flat? You know, what's a balanced market? How does that all factor into pricing strategy or what should I offer? There's a ton of data and, you know, understanding what are those key metrics that you can share, how they, how they're meaningful to the customer or why yeah. they should be and being able to communicate that to them. Yeah. I mean, I just heard this weekend and this is an interesting piece of data for me, the, the kind of data you're talking about, you know, six months ago in Utah, you were getting 30, 40 offers per listing, you know, just crazy stuff. Um, I just heard, and then it slowed down over the holidays and that would have been a great time to sell your house over the holidays because, and it's a great, great time to work if you were in real estate because you didn't have as many offers. But um, I just heard this weekend, one of my wife's agents slacked out to her that, and to the team that they made an offer on a home that had 70 offers on it. So, I mean, even, so it, when you think about that, it's like, I don't know who that listing agent was, but hopefully that listing agent communicated properly with that owner. And, you know, should they have been on the market long enough to get 70 offers? I mean, I don't, I don't know how long they were on the market, but as a realtor, it's key that you communicate, set proper expectations with your sellers or buyers, right? So that's absolutely right. It, it, and it's crazy. 
that some of the things that are happening right now, I never, I never thought we would see them. And we are, yeah. I never thought we'd see inventory go down from what it was three years ago. And it went down two years ago and last year <laughs> still is. Yep. So. Which, which is why prices wow. have increased 20% yep. year over year, right? That's right. Yeah. So, okay. I've heard you talk about a few books, podcasts. I'd love to hear what your favorite source of learning is, whether that be, you know, I don't know if you have a favorite book or a favorite podcast or whatever. All kinds. I, I'm typically, if I'm in my car, which I'm not in as much as I used to be, I'm listening to podcasts I'm listening to talk radio and, um, you know, getting information that way. I read quite a bit and I kind of, I kind of bounce between fiction and, and nonfiction. One, you know, one of the books that, so, so two, two books that come to mind that I think were fascinating. One is Shoe Dog. So the Phil Knight story, yep. probably. Yeah, I love that book. That one. It's a great book. And it's just a fascinating, you know, look at Nike and, and the growth and sort of the misfit team that, that came together and weren't misfits. <laughs> you know, it's kind of an interesting story. Well, I, I think that's, I think that goes to back to what we were talking about earlier is like, you know, it, it's an interesting story because you're hearing about his life, but at the same time, there are so many lessons in there. And I think most people would look at Nike today and just be like, oh yeah, Nike, you know, it's this huge, massive, largest shoe company in the world, right? And when you hear the story, you know, like what a challenge it was for them. How many times did they almost go out of business, right? I mean, crazy All the time. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's crazy. I'm glad you brought that up. But I, my opinion is what separates the successful from the other, from the unsuccessful. And Phil Knight is a perfect example of this. The unsuccessful, or let's just say the successful, they don't stop, right? They They don't quit. They'll keep going. They have the grit to continue right. through anything. It's not about getting knocked down. It's about how you get up, right? Yeah. So. No, it it totally is. And there there's a there's another book that if you haven't read it, it's it's a bizarre transition, but it's called The Dirt. It's the Motley Crue story. Uh, it came out a while ago, and I think they made a movie about it too. But and I'm not a huge Motley Crue fan, and I you know it wasn't something that I sought out. But I had a friend that handed it to me and said. You know, he is a big Motley fan. He said, I think you'd like this book. And it's it's just a collection of stories from Motley Crue's history. And they're they're a storied up and down and, and you know, everywhere around kind of band uh, over the years. But it's just a fascinating tale of dysfunction and perseverance. And, it you know, I think to your point, you know, obviously grit being something that's near and dear to you. I think that grit is really what they call it the dirt, but they could have called it the grit. I mean, it's yeah. the perseverance and uh, how many times somebody either almost died or, you know, and I think one case did die for a few seconds and came back and, um, you know, the band broke up and came back together and, you know, somehow they, they found a way to make it work, even though, you know, from the outside, everything was mess or dysfunction or, or, or if you're looking at it through a different lens, you know, they had it easy. They had it made. They were rock stars and you know, yeah. they were living that life. So, you know, it's, it's just interesting. I think when you read some of those, uh, some of those stories that from the outside look like they're different than what maybe they are when you peel back the the layers a little bit more. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anybody has it easy. Uh, everybody has their own challenges and I'm glad you brought that up. The dirt, I was not familiar with that, but the dirt, the grit, call it whatever you want, but it sounds like a book I need to, I need to read. So thanks for sharing that. So 
what's your favorite place to to vacation? I, you know, it's always interesting for me to see you're from Minneapolis, mm-hmm. right? And you you live in the cold. So when you when you want to go somewhere, like just to enjoy yourself, where is that? My wife would say to a beach, and I would say I need the snow. So I'm. I'm an out West. I love the mountains. I love to ski. always have grew up doing that here on our little Hills. Uh, I love being out in the mountains. So, um, you know, in your neck of the woods, um, and Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, wherever I can get to a mountain is, is where I'm going to head. So, so you love the uh, mountains. That's, that's my deal. Nice. We did, uh, we did go to Phuket, Thailand. So, um, you know, if I had to pick a place that doesn't have mountains or snow, that would be it. Before we had kids, we traveled there for spent about 10 days, um, which was fascinating. You know, people, the culture, just the relaxed atmosphere, but it was a magical place. So that was, that was a place I guess I could, I could get by with that doesn't have any snow. Well, I've, I've never given a plug for Switzerland on this podcast before, but when you talk about mountains, I mean, I live in the mountains in Utah, Yeah, but nothing compares to the mountains of Switzerland. So yeah, uh, if you haven't been to Switzerland and you love the mountains, go there when you can. I've only been there in the summer and it is, it is definitely on the bucket list to be there in the winter. So someday when we can, when we can travel a little more freely. Brandon, just a couple more questions here and we'll get wrapped up. What's your, what's your favorite thing to do in your spare time? We have a little lake home and a boat. I, I just, I love to be out on the boat in the summertime, just either taking the kids tubing or wakeboarding or, you know, just hanging out and, and cruising around. Um, it's probably one of my favorite things. And like I said, skiing too is, is another one. Um, those are two things where I can put down the phone and, and not have to be checked in and um, just feel like I'm relaxed. So. You are a man of the outdoors, a man of my heart. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, of course, love the outdoors as well, or I wouldn't live where I do. Yeah. Last thing really is how do people get a hold of you? How do they get a hold of Sierra? If somebody wants to learn more about Sierra Interactive, it really seemed, I'm again, for me, it seems like you guys like really started getting popular right about the same time that Sisu launched uh, mm-hmm. into the industry. It went from... I had never heard of you guys to, I was seeing you all over the place. So what's the best way for people to, to reach out, to learn more? Sierrainteractive.com is the best, best place for you to connect with us. Reach out that way. Uh, it's a great way to get more information or connect with uh, anyone from our supporter sales team. All the information is there on the website. And yeah, that was, you know, being more and more involved with Sierra over the last five or six years um, as time went on we started seeing a lot more of Sisu uh, started running into you and uh, your guys at different conferences and stuff around. And yeah, it does kind of feel a little bit like we grew up at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. Well um, again, congrats on all your success. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Again, listeners, thank you for uh, being here for another episode of the grit podcast. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven day trial of Sisu, Go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, 
We'll catch you next time. Take care.